the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In light of our sinfulness, God continues to bless us. How's that possible? Let's talk about that today here on Truth For Today with our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard. So why is it that God can keep blessing his stumbling saints? We have 12 reasons that we've been focusing on, and today we take a look at reasons 7 through 12. At least we begin the process. Won't you join us? This is Truth For Today, our weekend edition featuring Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. We're continuing our series, How Can Good Things Happen to Bad People? Make it a point to join us today and be encouraged. With today's edition of Truth For Today, here's Pastor Phil Howard. Dealing with the theme of um, how God can keep blessing, how he keeps blessing his stumbling people. Uh, It answers the question, how can you remain saved and goof up so bad after you're saved? Whatever that could be. Uh, How do you start all over again if you commit a sin? Uh, I've often said when I first got saved, the idea was go as long as you could without a sin. And when you sin, I didn't know what to do. I thought you go back to the altar. Did I lose it? There was confusion. I, I didn't have anything or anyone faint to teach me. Uh, and uh, I don't know how I found out. or It, it was all accidental because I wasn't taught that at least I would say to God, I was sorry. I didn't know it was First John 1, 9. I did not. I didn't know that forgiveness was promised. I didn't have any theology. I just learned, my, my brother and I, same thing. You blow it for, if you blow it for at least a week, you're out. Uh, You've got to start all over. And some of you can laugh at that. And you, you, you think that's the most made up. It's not made up with real old-time Pentecostals that were holiness people. If you don't live it, if you blow it, they had no system to say for sure, how do you even know you're still saved? Their theology would say you're not. And you folks that always know you've had it, you probably just took it for granted and so be it. But what a wonderful thing. And I'm looking at the reasons, the Bible that tells us why we're intact, even when we're blowing it. And I hope you don't go out and blow it any more than you already have. I'm not trying to give you ammunition to do that. Uh, let's uh, rehearse. I'll just uh, repeat the first five things. We only got to five. And then tonight, I'll move as quickly as we can through these others. Uh, first thing, believers are in the eternal plan of God. So you're not an incidental uh, addition. God has been weaving you into his plan from eternity past. And we looked at that. Two, the power of the Father. God's power is at stake in your salvation. <laughs> uh, he who can make 
the Milky Way and call it finger work, his arm, he said, brought you salvation. He manifested his strength in saving us. So God has put his strength in saving a people. Three, the love of the Father. And he said in Romans 5 that while we were our worst, while we were ungodly, a weak sinners at our worst state, he sent Christ and publicly displayed him as God's love for us. So he says, I've loved you. Uh, for most of us as believers, you've never been worse since you've been saved than you were when I started loving you. <laughs> you may have blown it, but I found you much worse as a whole when I started with you. So there's nothing going to happen in your future that will undo the kind of love I've already displayed towards you. Uh, fourthly were the promises of the Father. John 5, 14, John 6, 37. I draw you, I've never uh, cast you out. So then that, now we began last week and we looked at it for a while. The prayer of the Son of God for us. And we looked at John 17. That the night before the cross, you were on his mind. And he said, I pray not only for these men, but I pray for those who will believe on my name through their word. I pray not for the world. I pray for my own. And I've got something and you do as a believer, the world can never claim. Christ has me on his prayer list. He prays for me individually. Can you take that in? That Christ himself prays for you and represents you before the throne. It's beautiful if you study the garment of the Old Testament high priest. He had 12 stones. Row of four, row of four, row of four. And those 12 stones were all the names of the tribes. And when he went into the Holy of Holies before the mercy seat, who is he bearing before God? The 12 tribes. Who did he make the offering for? The 12 tribes. And Christ stands before the Father. And now he has your name inscribed on his heart, in his hands. Your name is mentioned before the Father daily by no one less than God the Son. Not too bad. Not too bad. I'd rather have that than the Pope. I'd rather have that than the pastor. Than the apostles. I've got God the Son took me and put me on his prayer list. Now, can the Father ever reject a prayer of the Son? And just we're supposed to stay calm. Don't get all emotional about this. Because this is just light stuff. Isn't this wonderful? My, it's why I, I stay here. I teach this every Sunday night if you'd come back. Because I found nothing greater. I teach other stuff because you've got to teach all the Bible. This is the stuff that makes me want to preach. This is so fabulous. And then let's look at, he prays for you, and that was a John. Let's take another aspect of that. He not only prays for you, uh, but, uh, and, and that was John 17. And I just, uh, the next one, the, he intercedes for you. And look at that in Hebrews 7. That uh, it's one thing to pray for a person, and that usually is intercession. But we're just expanding the thought, as Scripture does. He literally, when you intercede for someone, intercession is either praying 
for or against them. And uh, obviously, he prays for us. And look what it says in Hebrews 7, uh, verse 23. Now, there have been many of those priests, the Levitical priests, since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save to the point of completion. It used to be the word uttermost, and NIV puts completely, which is good. The idea is just to the point of completion. He's able to save to the point of completion those who come to God through him. And this is amazing. Your salvation isn't ultimately completed without his intercession. You need someone to go beyond the crossword. So you're saved through him because he's always living to intercede for those he began with. So a part of your salvation is the continued intercessory ministry of Christ for his own. Continues, saved to the point of completion. Let me give you a little uh, sample of this. Uh, it's in Luke 22. And look at um, verse 31. At the Last Supper, Judas has already made a deal to sell Christ for the price of a wounded, gored slave. Pretty cheap price for God. And then Christ says there, while they're fighting over who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom, the disciples, that is, he says in verse 31, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Did he get sifted? Before the night's over, he denies his Savior three times. That night. Did you know what? I'm convinced that if you fell completely in the hands of Satan for 24 hours, you'd do things you couldn't believe you could do. And every one of us are on the brink of doing ruin and chaos to our life. The only thing keeping us from chaos, even as his followers, is I'm praying for you, Simon. And a matter of fact, he failed so miserably that you would think it was over. At least he shouldn't be an apostle anymore. I don't want to go to a church where the pastor sold out the Savior. Christ meets him at the Sea of Galilee and says, I want to talk to you, Peter. Because he told them, go tell everybody and Peter that I've risen. And then he meets them down there at Galilee and they start smelling some fish at the bank while they're trying to fish away their sorrows. And they come in and Jesus, hi Simon, can you imagine a resurrected Christ fixing you breakfast on the Sea of Galilee? I've been there on the sea and I just imagine that scene. And he says, uh, hey boy, I'm not through with you. I'm going to ask you something. Do you love me? What would you say? Oh, yeah, you know you count on me. No, he, he's so whipped. 
it's a it's quite an interview yeah i love you lord but you know <laughs> it's no more than this yeah i really do love you no he says i love you i think you really know lord and he finally just walks him through it he says you know what my prayers are going to reinstall you and i'm going to continue what i started with you and what kept you from totally jumping off a cliff and being totally destroyed i'm going to convert you I want to turn you around, and you don't know this. I've already picked you to preach the first sermon of the church age on the day of Pentecost. When Moses read the law, 3,000 were killed. The first time grace gets preached, 3,000 will be saved. Under the law, the sheep dies for the shepherd. But you're going to preach a message that says the shepherd died for the sheep. And I've picked you to be the boy to preach it. The only reason any of us are here today intact is his intercessory prayers for us. Has delivered us from one satanic trap after another to destroy our marriage, to destroy our morals, to destroy our testimony. Friends, I'm telling you, dear saints, I can't say, I wish I could. He's praying for us. It's the only reason we're making it in this cruel world is he's praying for his own. Never forget it. He's praying for you. Now, what I want to do in response, I'll start with my elders. Read a passage or pray in response to that truth. Whatever you want to pray. I've got seven elders in this church. Whoever wants to pray. That you supplied for us, that we may overcome the enemy. We don't have to be in sin. But we have the power from above to be overcomers. We thank you, Father, for the victory that you bring the victory is greater than the battles <laughs> for he who is in us is stronger than oh, those yes. oh, Father, yes. oh, we, yes. uh, we are humbled at yes. the thought of our own weakness yes. but at the power and the might that you supply through the Son and the Holy Spirit to see to it that we make it through we're thankful, Father, that we do have an advocate. We have one that intercedes. If we didn't have one to intercede for us, we would surely fail. But we know we have a high priest on high that sits on a throne that has paid the price that we may be overcomers and dwell with you one day forever. Amen, amen, amen. Now we're going to be looking at it. Thank you, Stephen. That's what we want to do. Uh, we're going to look at his substitutionary death, how it guarantees your salvation. And in response, we'll either pray or if you've got an appropriate uh, song or chorus like Jesus paid it all or something that we can in unison sing, it's going to be that theme. Number seven point is the death of Christ answers for present tense sin. The death of Christ is answerable for present tense sin. And look at Romans 8 to see that. Uh, Romans, he, he brings up the issue of who can bring a charge against us. If God has done so much to save us, sparing not his son, will he not complete it? Uh, don't you all want to know when you first started Will I get to complete this thing? Or do you just go three years and then you wash out? Is this just a phase? 
I'm just in church for a while, coming out of a divorce, coming out of pain. And so I'll just get in church long enough to get my bearings. But when do I wash out? When does it end? Surely you don't live this way the rest of your life. You gotta, you gotta go back and boogie a little. You gotta go back and sin. This doesn't last, does it? I mean, it's a phase. It's gonna fade out. And so Paul brings up, who can bring a charge against those God has saved? Will it fade out? Will there be anything that will end the relationship? And he says, uh, I raise this question, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? Surely it won't be God. The implication, I chose you. I didn't choose you to charge you. It won't be him. Two, it is God who justifies. I'm the one that declared you righteous. I won't be the one to accuse you. Uh, Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus died. He died in your place to do something about it. He didn't die to condemn. Uh, More than that, he was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Then he names all these things. But one of his arguments is, Nothing can separate us, surely not him who would die for us. The death of Christ just stands good for present tense sin. And I think we may see it clearer in the point eight we'll bring up. But know this, the cross work of Christ, uh, I was taught this way. That his death was provisional for the world. He died for everybody. And it's just there as a divine provision. And we won't know if it'll ever get used until somebody believes. Because it may not be used. It's just there. Because there's a whole lot of folks he died for not going to heaven. Under that theology. What do I get, Father, for dying? Well, you you don't get anything. They don't believe. Well, glad you died. Well, I don't care what camp you think you're in. There's verses that say he died for his sheep. There's verses that say he died for his church. There's verses that say he redeemed many. There's ver- and what it's emphasizing is there is a definite goal in mind at the cross. That no matter what benefits he bought for everyone, whether they ever believe or not, there is a definite benefit he secured for his own at the cross. No question about it. That's why it says in John 17, I pray for my own. It's definite, particular. The battle among theologians is, was the cross unlimited or limited? I don't like uh, either language. Unlimited. Now, is everybody going to be saved? Did you know there's many that say they are? They call universalists. Everybody will be saved because Christ died. Well, is that true? Okay. Then there's some say, well, it's limited. It's only for the elect. Well, that's, well, any way you go, it gets limited. Only the elect gets saved. Did you know that? 
I don't care if you like election or not, God does. Whoever he's chosen, he saves. Right? When you look at the cross, just from the point of view that now you're in the family, you, I don't care about you being in the system, but we got these verses I you say, I'm a sheep. He must have had me on his mind when he said, I lay down my life for who? Well, I guess that didn't, he didn't do that for Hitler like he did it for me. You're absolutely right. Hitler got benefits, got suspended judgment on him for 1,900 years. But he never did get what I got from the cross. Because there's a line that theologians have said for years. It goes this way. The death of Christ is sufficient for all, but efficient only to the elect. It's sufficient for the whole world, but it's efficient to the sheep. It gets applied. It gets applied. It's not just provisional for them. He bought me. That day on the cross, I could say that. Not just the night I got saved. Right there, I was secured at the foot of an old rugged tree. You can say that. And we're not limiting anybody. We're just saying it makes it deeply intimate. Deep, you mean, in other words, you were just, whoever will take it. Now, now that's the appeal. That's the gospel. But I want to let you know something. I was slain as a lamb before the foundation of the world. And everybody who had their name written in the Lamb's Book of Life, I secured them right that day on the cross. And when the accuser comes, I could say, you will not separate what I purchased. Not I just provided for. I bought a people. And my father gave me a reward for the cross. And it's my sheep. And you are one of those sheep. You're one of those sheep. And so it's not just blob atonement. It's not just, well, whoever. Hey, folks, it ain't just whoever. I was, I was nailed to the cross in my Savior. He's substituted for me. He got under the penalty of God for me. Everything God wanted to do against me, he did it to my substitute. He has suffered for me and you. So I'm over here sometimes cocky, arrogant, failing, stumbling, sinning, goofing up believer. And still under the keeping power and grace of God. I said, how in the world can God do so much for you being such a wreck? Because he did so much to his son on Calvary. When you pour that much judgment out. Someone was just, I just heard a little lecture that said, when he said, my God, my God, did you forsake, why did you forsake me? They said, he was experiencing psychological abandonment. He was experiencing what literally happened. He was abandoned by the Father. He never dreamt that it could happen. For God blocked it off from his humanity. And from his humanity, he screams, I never knew you'd actually abandon me by taking the place of sinners. I thought I'd at least have your company. He said, right now I have to show you this assignment means abandonment. And he abandoned him. He who said he would never leave you nor forsake you experienced the abandonment of God. So Paul brings it over. When those who come to separate me 
one of God's charges is, how could he who died ever separate? And this is Truth For Today, the ministry of Valley Bible Church in Hercules with our teacher and pastor, Pastor Phil Howard. Thank you for spending time with us today. Have you found encouragement as you have studied God's Word with us here on the broadcast? We'd love to hear from you, whether it's a phone call, a quick email off of our website, or if you take pen to paper and send along a note, it would mean a great deal to us. You can reach us at 855-833-9864. And again, an encouraging word as to how the broadcast ministers to you would be wonderful. If you have a prayer request, maybe you have a question that was sparked by today's program, feel free to contact us again at 855-833-9864. If you'd like to write to us, the address is truthfortodayradio.org. You can drop us an email from that website or write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, We're here in Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. One other note as we close out our time together today. Guys, you're invited to join us for our Valley Bible Church Men's Conference, March 17th and 18th, Walking to Win. Are you walking worthy of your calling? This is taken from Ephesians chapter 4. And again, you're more than welcome to join us. For details and information, simply go to our website, valleybible.org. That's valleybible.org. One other note as we let you go today, we have a matching grant. A generous donor to the ministry has set up a matching grant through the end of March. So dollar for dollar, any support you send our way, not only is tax deductible, but will be matched dollar for dollar through the end of March. Would you please consider that as you contact us here at Truth For Today? Again, you can reach us at 855-833-9864 or donate online, truthfortodayradio.org. And then come back and join us next week for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Message.